Support this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Camp Radio, a student-operated non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in anytime at KUST at mixer.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to The Medium, a podcast presented by Tommy Media that's all about what's happening in the art and entertainment world. On today's show, we talk about the summer highlights and new and upcoming releases, and we meet our new host, Song Johansson. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Medium. We're in season four. Just to preface, we'll be using Zoom right now since our podcast studio is a little tight for having all three of us in here. Three meaning our new host, Song Johansson. Song, welcome aboard. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, so I figure this first episode, let's just kind of get to know you a bit first, and then we'll get into the summer, what our favorite picks were, just some other things. But yeah, I have a couple questions for you just so our audience can kind of get a handle on who's joining the show. Cool. Um, so can you explain what your position in Tom Media is first? Uh, absolutely. I am the uh, chief photo editor this semester. So I do uh, what you would expect a photo editor to do. I look at photos and give feedback to our wonderful photographers. Um, I also do a little bit of uh, camera training uh, for those in Tommy Media who are just joining. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's, the, that's what I do. I look at stuff, take pictures of it, and send it. Very nice. Um, can you talk about your interest in photography in general? I'm assuming you didn't just join Tommy Media and picked up a camera. You were probably working with it a bit before then. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, um, let's see, my, my photography background is actually very short-lived. Uh, a lot of people like to think that I've been doing this for an extended period of time. I've only been doing it for like two years. Two? Really, yeah, I didn't really pick up on it until I joined Tommy Media and I joined as a videographer originally. I don't think I did one video package during that time. <laughs> uh, so, so this is a very recent like interest for me, but it really escalated super quickly and I've just kind of yeah. embraced it. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. You literally just said people think I've been doing this for a while. I thought this was like your whole thing. Two years. You're yeah. so good. Like what the heck? Thank you. Um, check out his Instagram, people. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you. Well, Do you like, have any specific like interests and stuff when shooting? Um, and, uh, to be honest, anything is interesting to me. But I do like uh, portrait photography. I think people are interesting, and you get to really like capture people in their natural environment. That's the best because that like, that's when it's candid and they really are comfortable with you being there. So I love that. I also love uh, street photography. And combining that, I'm a big uh, Estevan Oriol fan. And if you don't know who Estevan Oriol is, he's a wonderful photographer. And he's a big reason why Cypress Hill broke through in the 90s. And so if you've ever seen a photographer, uh, photo of Snoop Dogg, ASAP Rocky, uh, Danny Trujillo, like any of those like big West Coast names, uh, it's probably him, him that took those photos. Mm -hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it differ doing Tommy Media photo work versus your own personal stuff? Tommy Media work is, you know, journalistic 
at the base. So we try to keep things as uh, real and raw as possible. So the like minimum uh, stylistic interference. Of course, we, we do uh, do a little bit of that, but I told our photographers and myself that we, we stay below plus 10, minus 10 on like uh, adjustment scale. So if you know you have 100 on each side, you don't really do a lot. And doing stuff for myself, you know, it's very stylistic. It's all my style that I've developed over these two years. And so even that, like, it's slowly starting to become something that people are like, hey, that's a Song Johansson photo. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. How do you, would you have a way to describe your style of sorts? Um, it's pretty intense. I like very strong colors. Okay. And I also focus, again, a lot on the person in front of the picture or in the picture. So usually I'll like tone down the background a little bit and make sure that their faces pop and that you can really get the expression out of it. And like, if it's a landscape photo, colors will be very prominent. What part of the photography process do you like better? The actual taking of the photos or the editing them later? Um, I, I think the whole planning of a photo shoot is fun. Because sure. you can always plan for something and then you get to the the shoot and it's just anything but what you planned and you have to like <laughs> think on your feet. Yeah. So definitely long story short or long answer short, the photo part, the taking the photo part is the best. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Um, obviously you're working in Tommy Media, which is good job experience sort of thing, but do you plan to incorporate your photography in a job or career setting? I have every intention of doing just that. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. So, you know, my dream job would be working for National Geographic and travel around and, you know, document nature and animals because, you know, you don't know how long it's going to be here. Like just a quick story, you know, this summer, me and my roommates, we went to Glacier and in the car, I said, man, I really hope I can get a shot of this thing because you never know it's going to be gone. And we get there and it's almost gone. Oh no! And that really like, just that moment just really emphasizes the importance of, you know, documenting what's around us, especially now during uh, Corona and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, environmental changes. Look at what happened in Oregon. You know, we got back two weeks after and it's on fire. Like, yeah. look at the photos I took and I'm like, that's on fire. And that's just so surreal. That's crazy. So, yeah, I definitely <laughs> want to do this in the future. <laughs> no, <laughs> Very passionate good outlook to have on it um i was seeing more of the documenting what's going on through like written forms mm -hmm. people doing like poetry and just writing memoirs and that sort of um documentation but i think they achieve very different things like you mm -hmm. said having being able to have a photo comparison side by side like two weeks apart just as you're saying is I don't know. Yeah, crazy. I don't know how else to explain yeah. it. It's just not very surreal. You know, you look at the picture and you're like, ah, oh, that's not there. <laughs> right. Um, so one last question for you. Other than photography, what other art forms are you interested in, if any? Uh, like I said, you know, I started with film. So film is a big one for me. I love film. Um, even if it's, you know, it could be a big blockbuster production or it could be a small like home video like they mean the same to me they have equal value to me they're worth like the world you know mm -hmm. uh but i'm i'm a big uh i'm into dance you know i like dance i like looking at it. i can't dance <laughs> i love looking at it as a form of expression 
not just gonna bust out some moves right now. <laughs> Never. Albert Why not? Do it though. <laughs> but uh, dance is just such a uh, intense, like uh, intimate way of expressing your emotion because it's your full body. You're using your whole body, and I just think it's they're amazing athletes, first of all, and the way that they convey message is so unique to their their art form. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Nice. Well, we're very happy to have you on board for this semester. I'm looking forward to everything that we talked about. Any ideas you have for the t to bring to the table and stuff? So thanks for being here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, so now I think we should just go over some what came out in 2020 while we were gone. Obviously, everything's pretty limited uh, still because of COVID. But a few things got some hype, got some noise on social media because of it. Um, so for movies, the things that I noted, one was Mulan on Disney+. Plus. Did you watch it, Song? I never got around to watching it, but I did catch all the controversy that happened. Yeah. So I kind of want to watch it, but I, it's like this uh, rock and hard place type thing, you know? You want to watch it, but you don't kind of, like, you don't want to support mm -hmm. it all the way because of what, what's uh, been going on, but. Yeah, I was kind of in that same boat. I ended up watching with my roommates, and it, like, it wasn't bad but it also wasn't great <laughs> especially for all the hype and like basing it off of the movie the like animated movie mm -hmm. and i'm all for them making changes if you're remaking a movie but you should be changing it for the better but they were adding things in that didn't give anything else to the story or it wasn't changing it in any symbolic or improving way I think that's interesting that you say that because I feel like that's a recurring story for these act live action films. You know, oh, yeah. I was a big uh, Jungle Book fan. I still am, but I haven't gone around watching that either because, you know, people are like, you know, it doesn't live up to that expectation. Like mm -hmm. you saw the animated film as a kid, you have that nostalgic, you know, memory of it. So I don't know. I'm kind of afraid that it's going to kind of ruin that. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I can I can agree to that. Um, the other one that just came out on Netflix, which I haven't watched yet, was Enola Holmes. Mm -hmm. That was getting a lot of hype. Have you seen that? I watched that one just two days ago, actually. Talk about it. How was it? I like it. It's a good visual experience. It's like watching a Wes Anderson film. Uh, and I think the director is uh, Harry Bradbeer. And I haven't really watched anything of his previous work. Mm -hmm. I was very like interested in seeing what he has done and like I said it's in that Wes Anderson style where it's very like symmetrical it's straight on it's like to the point and uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown does a great job as Nola Holmes creating this very uh, relatable I don't know it's kind of weird she's a relatable in a 2020 type of sense sure. not something that you would expect out of an, uh, you know 1889 Sherlock Holmes universe but mm -hmm. it kind of works I like it nice yeah i saw it too i'd agree with song it was very wes anderson like but what got me is that the screenplay has a lot of cliches in it and i looked up who wrote the screenplay and it's the same guy who wrote the harry potter play that just came out the cursed child yeah the cursed child yikes Jack Thorne. Ooh. I thought that was a fun fact. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. By the way, Kayla Mayer is still our producer this semester. Yes, I'm glad to be back. I love the medium. Also wait for the Sherlock Holmes sequence where you like decipherist the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that one and they made it real short this time. Yeah, I know. It's but, uh, fitting. I'm ready for a Sherlock Holmes movie with uh, Henry Cable. I'm not gonna lie. I have a man crush on that man. <laughs> I would be so down for that. That him. Okay, one, I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. Always have been. But then add Henry Cavill and Sam Claflin to the mix. I can't complain, but I'm also really thrown because the last thing I watched with Henry Cavill was The Witcher, and Geralt is so different from Sherlock Holmes, and I can't comprehend that. It really speaks to his, uh, uh, you know, range as an actor. I guess so. I mean, I'm here for it. Again, not complaining. Yeah. No, you got to watch it, and if you ever watched any other Sherlock Holmes installation, you know, be ready for a different Mycroft. I'm just, I'm th throwing that one out there. Interesting. Okay. And his character isn't usually one that's explored that often in no, Sherlock and I think Holmes. that kind of plays into what I'm saying, but I, won't, I don't want to spoil anything. All right. All right. Well, I'll, I'll watch it soon. I have plans to do so. I'll mm -hmm. get back to you on that. Um, and then the other movie thing I had was Christopher Nolan's Tenet finally started playing in theaters. I also have not been able to go see this yet, but I was surprised by some of the reviews on it. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. I have not heard anything and I'm kind of scared because I love Christopher Nolan. <laughs> right, I do too. <laughs> yeah, I do as well. And what I was hearing was that it was a bad plot covered by a lot of good typical Nolan action. Like, it's really well shot, it's really well put together, but as a story itself, it's not that strong, especially in the sense that you might not be able to get it your first time around. And I know, like, for me, I'm always down to watch movies multiple times and get more out of them, but I also still like being able to step away from a movie after seeing it once and understanding it. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But I feel like uh, a Christopher Nolan film, like, it's kind of what you're getting, though, right? Because think about sure. Inception, Interstellar, all these movies are movies where I left the cinema being like, what did I just watch? <laughs> right. I guess my concern is that, like, what the heck just happened turns into I literally don't know what's going on. Because at least with, like, Inception, your mind is kind of just... Like what, what happened? But you can still follow along what they're doing. And obviously I haven't seen Tenet. Maybe this is all wrong and it's like stellar. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think we need to sit down and watch this film and come back. We got to circle back to it. I'm down. I, I would be so down to get a view party and then we'll, we'll talk about this later. I do want to throw this out there because in preparation of this podcast, of course, I did my research a little bit and I want you to go in and I want you to look at the poster for these following movies and you see the trend right away. Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception, The Dark Knight, uh, and there's two more movies by him. They all look the same. Every poster is the same. Oh, yeah. Same font, same, like, one person standing. Yep. Lower third, slap the logo on there. <laughs> yep, yep. You can't deny that Nolan has a style, like oh, we were talking about earlier, an artist style. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, it works. 
it works. I like I'm not it. Mad. I just think it's funny. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Well, I think you and I briefly talked about this last semester with Zed. Um, but we were Zed and I were ranking our favorite Nolan films, and mm-hmm. I had Dunkirk as my favorite. And the only reason is because it feels different than the rest of them and that it's like way more personal way more intimate and like these couple characters experiences whereas tenant what i'm worried about is it just reverts back to everything that we already know nolan can do well Mm. i would like to see it branch further from that yeah yeah i agree with you i would like to see what what more can christopher nolan do because you know if it if he does something new most likely it's going to be good and it's going right. to catch you off guard. Right. He's already established enough. Like he has the credibility to take risks. Yeah. Which I want to see him do. Yeah. Um, anyway, tangent aside, <laughs> um, the music scene of 2020 was, I feel like pretty typical. Artists could just kind of drop albums, use them on streaming services. They're not being able to tour, but I didn't see much of a dip in that. What do you think? I think it's a, a good point to bring up. You know, there's not really been that dip that you would expect it to be. And it's interesting because I look, I'm going to be honest with you right here. I'm not a Fortnite gamer, but I logged on to watch Anderson Park and the Free Nationals play in Fortnite because <laughs> where else would I be able to do it? <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. So, yeah, things seems to be continuing on, even though, you know, venues are shut down. And that's just a shame, to be honest, because we're losing a lot of good venues. Even, you know, First Ave, it's been through that whole, you know, circus. Right. And so artists are keeping up. They're releasing new songs and they're being active. You know, they're, they're talking about what's happening all the time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of tours are rescheduled, which is good. I think that, like, the concert experience is going to come back in droves i think people are going to just flock to like events and festivals and concerts just because we haven't been able to do that and that's such a like popular summer thing Mm -hmm. so hopefully that'll kind of give a boost to some of the venues that are closing or that are at least like temporary temporary temporarily shut down yeah i think so too i think uh (laughs) you know it's kind of like when someone tells you not to do something and once you have the chance, you just go all in. You do it. You, yeah. That's what's going to happen here. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to note for 2020, unlike music, the live theater experience, world, what have you, is basically dead. It's out of commission. You can't do live theater in our current scenario. You can't have audiences, on and on and on. So they've kind of been struggling to keep stages open and to keep actors afloat basically but the theater world is not entirely quiet because disney plus premiered hamilton a filmed version of hamilton on july 3rd and along with kind of bringing some light back to just the theater world in general it just revamped the craze from a few years ago of hamilton for like a month and that was really interesting are you song a fan of that show or theater at all you know i've never really been a big theater person uh, I have never seen Hamilton, but now it's on Disney Plus. Maybe I should, because you know I know a lot of my friends are talking about it, uh, and you know it's always good. It's it's good entertainment from what I can understand, so it's worth watching. Uh, the extent of my theater experience was I saw Kinky Boots in London when I was over there. Wow! Yeah, I was on. I love a, that for you. I was on a uh, 
school trip when I went to the American College of Norway and we got to see that and you know it was it was great it was a good experience you know the um, songs were good the performances were great you know and it seemed like it was, it's that feeling of like a holistic experience sitting in a theater mm -hmm. so you know that brings up the question does it scratch the itch when Disney Plus makes this film version oh yes absolutely yeah. I think so. Well, like, I am definitely a theater fan, I would consider myself to be. And when you have a show that is so popular and culturally relevant as Hamilton, even if you're not a theater person, there's still an inkling of, like, am I missing out on something? Or, like, I kind of want to watch it just to understand everything that's going on about it. Like, I have a lot of friends that watched it just for that reason. Uh, they're not even theater people. But yeah, then well, you people, watched it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So is it like in a theater setting or is it on like a stage film? It's they, so like they basically one night that it was live at the Richard Rogers in New York, they just set up cameras and filmed the live performance. Okay. So they're calling it like the Hamill film, mm -hmm. but it's not actually filmed like a movie. It's just a nicer recording of the like stage show. Interesting. You know, so you still get these like close-ups of the actors, but then they'll do some wider shots to show you the set moving. Um, they'll do some above shots to show like the, because the floor moves in that show and then like the choreography and stuff. So, you know, it would be interesting if uh, Disney ever went out and like did a virtual like uh, play, like a, a virtual uh, Hamilton in the sense that, let's say you have VR goggles and you can pick your seat in the, in the house, you know? That would be rad. Full experience like that. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they could figure something out like that. Well, and it's funny. They were planning on making an actual movie too of Hamilton, but now they have this. And I'm not saying one would be better than the other, but I just I like what they presented because it kind of gives a look into theater that a lot of people don't have, mm -hmm. and like for the theater or for the non-theater fans, they can kind of see how actors manipulate with the stage and like that sort of thing. I really liked it specifically because I got to see it a few years ago in Chicago off of like a lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. But then my seat was like, it was really close to the front, but it was kind of obscured on one side of the stage. So now I could finally see the whole thing in like a better view, which was great. Would you uh, recommend this for, you know, non-theater non people, like as a step into that theater world? Yes and no. Yes, because the music is a little bit easier transition. It's not super traditional Broadway, musical theater, big band, whatever. It's got a lot of the R&B hip hop inspiration. There are some more theater songs, but there's some rap songs. So like the music is a little easier to comprehend. I think the story is easier to comprehend, especially if you're American, you're most likely gonna know the basics of American history of that era. Um, but then on the same time, no, because that show is entirely music. There's no breaks. It's all the dialogue, everything is music. So it's a two and a half hour soundtrack. And that's a big soundtrack to jump into right off the bat. Um, but I still think it's a fun, fun thing to give, give a shot to if you're interested in that sort of thing. All right. I think I might just do that then. <laughs> I, I would highly encourage it. Yeah. Um, just so you can also understand all the memes. Kayla and I were sending each other memes nonstop after it came out. 
and I'd love to send those on to you as well. You know, you just love to see it, you know, longing <laughs> over good memes. Oh, yeah. It's tea. If it's not the most millennial thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Yep. All right. So now I just have a small list of movies that are supposed to be coming out in 2020. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, they're still coming out in 2020. They probably will get pushed back or at least just limited release. I don't know. But we've got No Time to Die, which is the new James Bond movie. I don't know if it's the last for Daniel Craig. I thought I heard that somewhere. Ooh, I thought I heard that too, that he was done with that. And yeah. To be honest, I think it's a, it's a good time to switch it up. Let's yeah. try a new he's Bond. Been for a while now. Yeah. Definitely good, but that'll be a good. good oh, yeah, he's ending it on a high note for sure. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 is the sequel to. I don't know, Wonder Woman? Was that the first? Yeah, I think one? it's just called Wonder Woman. Okay. Like cool. uh, the origin movie. Mm -hmm. um, Dune, which is an adaptation of the very popular science fiction novel, Dune, or series. There's a series of them. That one I'm really excited for. Um, yeah, I haven't really heard anything about that, but uh, I'm going to make sure to check it out. Yeah. The, there's a book, obviously, and it's really long, but it's super good world building and like really well crafted and like really interesting. I don't recommend trying to read the whole thing before December, I think is when it comes out, but I might try to do that. So we'll see. Yeah. So I threw in these last two on here in our notes and that's yeah. uh, Top Gun 2 and uh, Black Widow. Regardless, I think these are pushed to 2021, mm -hmm. but we're going to put them in there because I want to talk about them. <laughs> Top Gun 2, let's go. Yeah, all right. Let's talk about planes, shall we? <laughs> Maverick who? Let's do it. <laughs> I am so excited about this movie. I'm like a oh, yeah. uh, couch pilot, if anything. Like, I'll watch planes all day if I can. And just, <laughs> can we just agree that Tom Cruise does not really age? No. He, he just stays. He's like, Top Gun 1 could be recorded yesterday and you'll still look the same. <laughs> You know? Yeah, no, I, I, I can get behind that. Yeah. I'm usually not even a Tom Cruise fan, but Top Gun is just so good. It's fun, and like you said, planes are really cool. <laughs> it's just, based on the trailers, too, it just looks so good. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about and that. And I think it's kind of good for this comeback to be a little separated from the first movie they've had time to develop it and to make mm -hmm. sure that it's worthy of a sequel yeah and it really seems like they've built on that in the story too it doesn't seem like it's too stuck in the past they're trying mm -hmm. a new like narrative for for maverick so that's gonna be interesting and then uh black widow we're entering the new marvel phase you guys phase four so we're getting a new black widow we're getting uh wandavision we're getting a new doctor strange all over the place with this. What are we thinking here? Are you, well, let me ask this first. Are you a Marvel fan? I'm a Marvel fan. Yeah, of course. You know, okay. I watched most of the films. I don't think I watched Ant-Man yet, so I need to get around to doing that. Oh, come on. That one says Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul I know. Paul Rudd Every is the light <laughs> of my life. <laughs> That's the thing. Everyone's just like, what? You don't like Paul Rudd? I'm like, no, I like Paul Rudd. I just haven't gotten around to watching the film. Come on. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm, uh, if I can choose any superhero out of that Marvel universe, you know, I'm a Doctor Strange fan. I love Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. And it's just, yeah. I'm okay. A fan. I'm a fan. 
Okay, cool. So Reed, huge Marvel fan. Absolutely out of control in love with Marvel, which is great. I am not. I'm not a superhero gal, not super in tune with the whole Marvel universe, but I've seen at least half of those movies. Mm-hmm. So like I know enough to get by culturally, um, but they're not my choice. Mm-hmm. Doctor Strange is also my favorite. Benny Batch, my guy. Um, but I think it's so cool they're continuing this MCU that they've established, but also like re- in a sort of passing the torch, ended it really well. The last Avengers movies. So now exploring like what other characters they have. Yeah, I like what Marvel is doing because if they would have ended it on Thanos, uh, you know, on the Avengers series, that would have been, I would have had some beef with that. But this, yeah. that the fact that they go into this next phase shows me that they're actually following this canon of the comic books, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. that, that just pleases my nerd heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, since I don't know much, I don't know how much to affect it, but... The death of Chadwick Boseman, I'm sure, kind of puts a shadow over the, like, beginning of the phase. I don't know what their plans for Panther were, um, but I thought he was supposed to be a part of that. Do you yeah. know? I'm not uh, 100% what they're thinking about. Uh, all I can say is that don't touch the Black Panther series. Like, leave it where it's at, because it's yeah. great. It's amazing. Uh, so. I don't care what they do, just don't touch it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but even so, on the good side of things, they're bringing movies back, so that's good. Movies will be back, people. Don't worry. <laughs> Not wait to go to the movie theater and see a show. <laughs> so exciting. All right. So that was our little wrap-up and our little sneak peek at what's on the way, but I figure we go a little more detail on a couple of our picks. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go first, by all Absolutely. means. Absolutely. So we're talking uh, our summer picks. Uh, mine's late summer, but I went with a uh, kind of an underdog, I feel, and not very much, uh, not talked about too much. And it's King's Decease by Nas, uh, released on August 21st, 2020. So the day before my birthday, great present. Oh. Uh, and it includes uh, guest appearances by Anderson Park. ASAP Ferg, Big Sean, Charlie Wilson, Don Tolliver, and Dr. Dre. So he's packed this album with just big hip-hop names. And the whole album was produced by Hit Boy. And if you don't know who Hit Boy is, you can look to artists like, uh, again, Big Sean, Drake, uh, Kendrick Lamar, like all these big artists. He, Hit Boy's on the, those records. Uh, this makes... Uh, Nas's 13th album release, and it debuted on number five on the U.S. Billboard Top 100s. It makes it his total of 14 top 10 releases, and it had just, you know, low social media presence. People weren't really talking about it, uh, but it got uh, better feedback than a lot of the other albums that he released after, you know, his first, second, and third, which a lot of people are like, that's, that's the original Nas. Uh, but I liked it. It was a good album. I think it's definitely up like amongst the top four of his records. So it's definitely worth a, worth a listen. Um, Very cool. I was, I had listened to it yesterday after you decided to talk about it. And I 
surprised by how many like features it has, but I think that's actually really cool to bring in that many artists to collab with. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about it when I was listening to it, and it's, uh, it's kind of a risky move to bring that many artists onto a record because it often like mm -hmm. just mushes together and you're like, oh, which record is this? Who am I listening to now? But it's mm -hmm. very, you know, organized, it's nuanced, and you know, you get those every artist fit within the song type of thing. It's not forced in any way, which I like. Mm -hmm. uh, and also I, uh, I like the album because it incorporates this West Coast meets East Coast type thing. And if you're into hip hop, you know that that's a big, like either you're for it or against it type of thing. You're either West Coast or either East Coast, you're the Tupac or you're Biggie, you know, it's all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff like that. But what uh, Hitboy did with this record was that he brings this high energy, uh, no, Hitboy brings this West Coast soul flow to Nas's East Coast energy lyrics, like this high paced lyrics. Mm -hmm. uh, and on records such as All Bad with Anderson Park and Replace Me with Big Sean, we have this very distorted jumping bass line, which is, you know, synonymous with The Alchemist, Dr. Dre and DJ Mustard, which are all West Coast producers. And then you get, you know, tracks with ASAP Ferg and Nas and all these East Coast rappers. And it's just this melting pot of good music. So if you're a hip hop fan, it's a must listen to in 2020. Nice. Yeah. yeah, this is all out of my element music-wise. Yeah. But I, it's interesting you talk about like bringing the two different sounds together. Obviously, I wouldn't be able to pick that out. But, but I'm sure for fans you're talking about, that would be kind of an interesting blend to dissect a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone who's uh, been into hip-hop or listening to hip-hop They'll, they'll notice stuff like this. The structure of Nas's lyrics is very interesting because he's such a seasoned writer and that he like plays with, he has word plays, he switched up, slips the lyrics in such a unique way that only he can do. Doing. Mm -hmm. Just do your own thing. You yeah. know, that's kind of the message that he's giving out. And I noted down some of my favorite lines from the album and I thought it would be cool just to share those. Yeah. The first one is off the track, The Cure, and he writes, Life is a school for the soul, and I'm already in life seven. Life's simple, but heavy. And it really speaks to, like, his character as a writer and, like, his, his history when you listen back to, you know, his older albums. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like this one, the next one, because we're journalists, we're reporters, you know. It, so here's, here's the lyrics. <laughs> Our youth is dead to us. They call us super predators stupid words from the president's mouth where are his editors and you know you can take that however you like but he's you know what's fun with this line is that he's not taking a political stance as you might think right because he's talking about this super predators uh, word which is a hillary clinton quote and then he just goes straight around and jabs at you know president trump <laughs> and if you i don't know if you're a political listener that's going to throw you off and i think that's right. funny right well, but, but like you said, he's not necessarily taking a stand. Like, you don't have to read into that last line. That's true. It could be like, just the president in general doesn't called out like a journalist would, as yeah. you said. Yeah. And so just rounding off this segment uh, with my favorite tracks, which is All Bad and Spicy. It's a good mix of West East Coast and West Coast. So I like it. I gave it a recommended. Listen to Nas. Very nice.
Um, for my summer pick, I also went the music route. And maybe this is not a surprise. Um, but I picked Folklore by Taylor Swift. Wow, what a time. First of all, it dropped out of nowhere. On July 24th, it was just like, oh, here's a full 16 song album that I've been working on for months and never said a thing. So that really just like getting hit by a truck out of nowhere. Everyone was like on high still from Lover that only came out less than a year before. And we were just living in this like rainbow, happy, whatever. And then folklore just emo in the middle of summer just could not comprehend what happened but it's great um Kayla's gonna jump in in a little bit to talk about it with me but a few little facts before that um it's kind of the folk genre which is new for her um new in a loose term a lot of the songs that she write or that she wrote started in like acoustic almost indie stages like drafts but then went into their pop selves but this one really keeps that acoustic folk vibe the entire time. A lot of the songs had like one draft before, not a lot of changes. Um, and I think you can feel the authenticity in it. Um, it had 8.6 million streams on Spotify in its first 24 hours, which is the biggest debut for a female artist. Huge, huge numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks to the, the surprise element of it, you know? Oh yeah, everyone was like an album like that out of nowhere. Of course, people are gonna listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think everyone was really jumping on more just to see like what's all this hype about? Where did this come from? Um, all the the these the fandom just immediately latched onto it. Uh, I know I did. I I do have to say, which I'll get into later when I mention a few of my favorite songs. The day the first day I listened to it compared to now, I have a very different outlook on the album. Still good both times, but very interesting how that went, which I'll explain later. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think Folklore just really shows the progression she's had throughout her career. We all know she started country and then worked her way into pop, a little bit of alternative there with reputation, and now she's delving into the indie folk. Articles are funny because they're like, oh, this unexpected turn from Taylor Swift. She had it in her. We all know she yeah. could do it. And she Let did, me just and jump in right here and say right now, this is not really unexpected if you listen to the first albums. This is yeah. her register the whole time, and she just caught us off guard with the right punch at the right time. Exactly. The, the lyrics just keep getting better, and just because she uses a slightly different genre this time, like, chef's kiss, still great. Mm -hmm. um, so now I want to bring Kayla in, figure, give some hot takes if you've got any. Oh, you know hot takes are my motto here. Cold facts, hot takes. <laughs> Check that out. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, just a quick plug for my own podcast. Um, but it's so unusual for Taylor Swift to just like drop something out of nowhere with, because she's been in the business for so long. She knows how to get people excited, how to make a lot of money and like get a lot of press. So to just like drop an album out of nowhere, unreal, Pop unreal. Off, queen. Yeah, and the thing is, it was exactly what everyone needed. Like we're all depressed right now. We need a depression album. And she gave it to us. 
our queen delivered. <laughs> really and here the, for the people. Yes. And to work on it with Boney Bear, iconic. Iconic. That was one of the first um, records that, or uh, tracks that stood out, out to me on this record was that uh, collab right there. Mm -hmm. yeah it was that was actually the first song i listened to um and immediately i was just kind of like oh no what are we in for <laughs> so sad but it's a standout for sure um i was just gonna list well i'll explain this first i was gonna list a few of my favorite songs but again earlier i mentioned that they've drastically changed like exile at the start was in my top three on the album. Now it's not even in my top eight on the album. It's still good. The whole thing is good, top to bottom. But the more you listen to that, which, but I've also found that true about Taylor Swift. The more I listen to her music and like hear the lyrics, the songs I like change, either because I can relate to them more or I like fully understand that song more. Um, so like a few, few of them that have kind of snuck up on me in the past month have been Peace seven and this is me trying i was not really fan they were just fine but now pops. um i also really like illicit affairs kayla i know that's one of your favorites oh so good it's just i feel like this album as a whole just really shows her range as a lyricist yeah the storytelling amazing amazing that's actually a point I want to talk about. A lot of people were saying that this album for her was the chance for her to delve into other people's stories. And I totally agree. Like just with the whole saga of Cardigan, August, and that's a little trio story going on. I don't think the album is as separate from her experience. I think it, a lot of it still is very much her. But with those three songs, she was kind of getting into concept album territory like old Pink Floyd these days where they're writing albums solely from like a different perspective or for a different story arc she could have done that with folklore but I think I think, think, might, uh, I think it might point her in that direction and I wouldn't be surprised if she dropped an album that was a concept album in the future yeah I think that would be really cool to see yeah. kind of moving on from what she normally writes about about her own stuff so, really yeah, I'm not, uh, I've never been a big Taylor Swift fan, but you know, I listened through the album and those three songs, you know, Cardigan, August, and is it Betty? Betty. Mm -hmm. Really stood out just because I got that continuous like storyline. I was just, whoa, mm -hmm. that is, she's, yeah, go for that one. <laughs> well, they each like, they come in at the beginning, the middle, and the end, and they all add a layer to it. Like, Cardigan could just be a typical T Swift song. And then you get August and Illicit Affairs kind of go together and they're basically back to back. And then you get Betty and you're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> she was telling the story the whole time. Oh, right. This whole album is a tale. <laughs> um, but then my last couple songs that I want to highlight. Epiphany. A lot of people don't like that song. I love that song. But number one in August, that slaps. So good. Do you have any standouts for you? Um, Exile always hits. Like, 
I don't know. <laughs> when I'm sad, go to exile on repeat. Yeah, so I don't what know. About you on your first listen. Uh, the one that stood out to me was uh, The Last Great American Dynasty because I liked the story of that one too. Mm-hmm. Just really going back to that whole storytelling arc that she's been working on. And, I don't know. It very much like captivated me and I was very into the song while I was listening to it. Probably the biggest bop on this. Mm-hmm. Maybe the only actual bop. Yeah. Um, the rest are pretty emo. But that one's definitely fun. It's very cute. I like the yeah. ending. Yeah. I don't know, y'all. I just, it's not my favorite Taylor Swift album, but it's definitely solid top to bottom. Even the bonus track is good. Mm. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, I like it. I think it's a good album. I think the concept is good. I think the execution was good, just all the way from like the album art to the songs to the release. It's just such a completed, you know, sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this album could really like, be one where she could gain a lot of uh, alternative uh, following. Maybe people who hasn't listened to Taylor Swift or hasn't ha- been in that realm at all. Yeah. I uh, can jump into this album and get like a whole different Taylor Swift and maybe what people would, pers- uh, like what perception people might have, you know? Yeah. I'm kind of hoping it serves as like a springboard for the next part of her career. She's worked through the growing up in the industry. Now she is grown up. Um, Seems to be thriving, you know, doing doing well. Definitely has the support. I'm I'm just very curious to see where she can go from here. Absolutely. Kayla, do you have any other comments about this album? Um, all I'll say is that my Spotify wrapped at the end of the year is not going to recover. <laughs> it's I just gonna be more. <laughs> do you ever um read online i read somewhere there was someone uh saying that this album is more of like a stripped down ultra violence by lana del rey Ooh, what do you think about that i i could see that i wouldn't be against that mm-hmm. as okay. as a statement <laughs> i'm not hating it <laughs> yeah i i would agree wholeheartedly <laughs> well y'all I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything else to say. I feel like it speaks for itself. Song, I'm sure you the same for the album you selected. Yeah, um, I think it speaks for itself, too. So, so I'm hoping that going forward with this season of The Medium, we kind of continue to do these in-depth reviews, whether they're separate, like we did this time, you pick something, I pick something, or if we do that tenant watch party, we talk about that, mm-hmm. or even just any other topics in general. Um, if there's anything that any of our viewers want to hear, you can always Tweet at Tommy Media or leave it in the comments of this episode. We'll take a look at that. Um, but otherwise, I think that's all we got. Song, Kayla, anything else? No, I think uh, I think that wraps up pretty nicely. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what we're going to dive into next. As am I. Well, again, Kayla, thank you for joining us again as producer. It's much appreciated. Song, yes. welcome aboard. Thanks for thank being you. here for the semester. And... Yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you.